schadenfreude everybody must have screamed ah he's a sung hero a little pushy pushy are you back from listening to stairway to heaven twice now those are just words i looked up on the internet unreasonable doubt a podcast about west virginia university basketball starts now you know what i'm standing up for this one and i'm not going to apologize for that uh hello from the studio in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Doubt. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Josh Witt. This is Episode 7, Florida, the Phil Knight Legacy 5th place game. Should I be standing up for this game? Recap, time will tell, right? Florida, if we're being honest... They don't have a signature win this season. They have a new coach. They, like us, have lots of new guys. They have dropped one at home to Florida Atlantic. That's not even a directional state school. That's a, I mean, think about it, Florida Atlantic. So, like, the, it's technically it's a direction because it's, I'm guessing it's closer to the Atlantic Ocean than the Gulf of Mexico. Definitely closer than the Pacific Ocean. But when you look at Florida's resume, they beat, like, the best win, I guess, is a win at Tallahassee. And in any other season, a win against Florida State looks good, but Florida State has one win. They've lost to Stetson. They've lost to something called Siena. Not very good, right? And the second most impressive thing on Florida's resume is playing Xavier close and Xavier played Gonzaga close tonight. So all that's true. And yet I feel really good. (laughs) And that, that game felt really good because how many times, yes, we've seen West Virginia dominate Radford and we've seen West Virginia put it on pin and, run it up against (laughs) North Texas. But to beat an SEC team on a neutral court and that SEC team is not Georgia, like that's like domination. And let's let's think about how many good memories do you have of WVU playing Florida in any sport? You go to the football side. I believe the last time WVU played Florida in football – it was the 1994 Sugar Bowl. Google that, because that's that's a while back. That didn't go well. West Virginia was undefeated, and then they played Florida, and then they were definitely defeated. You go to basketball. Two years ago, Florida came into Morgantown, the Big East Big 12 Challenge. Or no, n- not the Big East. I'm getting ahead of myself. The Big 12 SEC Challenge. Florida comes in with this Castleton guy, Castleton dominates. Florida beats West Virginia in Morgantown. 2018, I believe it was the Jimmy V Classic, Madison Square Garden. That was a sad game in a, in a very sad season. And really, it was the moment that you knew it was going to be a sad season if we really boiled it down. So not great. And then, uh, so really... I've got now two good Florida Gator memories. I've got John Beeline and a bunch of freshmen I've never heard of 
beating Florida at the Charleston Civic Center back in the early 2000s. And I've got tonight, and I'm clinging on tonight because that felt great. And the reason it felt great is because West Virginia built a double-digit lead in the first half, kind of stunk in the last few minutes of the first half. The lead got the single digits, eight-point lead at the end of the first half. And then they came out. (laughs) It was 41-33 at the half, and then seven minutes later, it's 66-40 to the good guys. It escalated really quickly, and that was it. Like when you when you <laughs> when you go up twenty six, that's a wrap. And West Virginia beat the Gators eighty four fifty five. They secure fifth place in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament in Portland. And I think it feels so good. Besides the reasons that I've mentioned, is that where's the complaint tonight? I mean, you, you'd have to get into Mr. Frown nitpicking to decipher anything really bad tonight. And the opposite of bad was West Virginia's front court. I mean, it was amazing. If this is how the front court's going to play against top-tier teams, and if this is how they can play in conference play, I mean, watch out. Watch out been worried about rebounding and and the basketball gods heard our cries and West Virginia out rebounded Florida 49 to 28. So that's <laughs> that is a domination. And you could just tell and I'm looking more on the defensive rebounding and that was by committee and it was their best defensive rebounding performance of the season. Jimmy Bell Mo Wagi, James Okongwo, they had 17 rebounds combined tonight, which is way better. Florida's two big guys, that Castleton that killed us two years ago. And it's not like, you know, I put that on the internet tonight and I wasn't the only one. Like, here's how Castleton did two years ago. Here's how he did tonight. It's not like Jalen Bridges was guarding Castleton two years ago, with love and respect to Jalen Bridges. It's not like it was a small guy. Derek Culver was guarding Castleton. Derek Culver that Bob Huggins raves about his defensive prowess. And yet in this game in Portland, Castleton picks up three fouls in the first half, obviously frustrated by Jimmy Bell. Whatever he was doing, he, he looked pretty good away from the basket. But when he was doing his post moves against Jimmy Bell Jr., it just didn't it didn't look the same, did it? Not as much domination for Castleton <laughs> with Jimmy Bell's guarding him. So that was fantastic. That made me feel really good. And listen, Jimmy Bell, look, Purdue, Purdue won this thing. So, of course, West Virginia gets the draw for the best team in the tournament. And that 12-point loss is not looking too bad <laughs> after – Purdue thumps Gonzaga and then destroys Duke today. Like, easily. That giant that's really good at basketball, he just kept being really good at basketball. It wasn't just a WVU problem. And one could argue, I didn't watch those other two games, but of, and we're talking about Drew Timmy. And we're talking about five star guys for Duke down low. Jimmy Bell probably played the best against uh, the Giant. And, yeah, he had foul trouble, but when he was in there, he was guarding him the best out of anybody in that tournament. 
And from a rough start and Jimmy Bell not scoring, now Jimmy Bell, he he he's he's not a giant established. We've actually seen a giant in person. But Jimmy Bell, he can go to the right and score, and you know it's coming. And you can't do anything about it. And Castleton was on him, and he's he's six ten or six eleven, and he didn't have anything for that. So Jimmy Bell, I think, had a fantastic Portland trip. Woggy, he did his thing, nine points, eight rebounds, active on the offensive boards, had an and one, uh, had a dunk. Amazing. James Oconquo, he didn't shoot a three, so that's awesome. And even our guy, Pat Sumnick, he slipped in a three in garbage time which was awesome to see. And then I guess technically Emmett Matthews is part of the front court. Two games in a row of aggressive Emmett Matthews. It's a game where he took 13 shots. And how many shots did you – I didn't feel bad about him shooting 13 times. And the Emmett Matthews from the left side driving in and dunking the ball hard – the ratio of how often that's happening. I mean, it was a great tomahawk dunk. And I can get used to this. Like, how often this is happening. The reason the Emmett Matthews dunk a few years ago against Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament was so amazing is because it was like, where did that come from? And now in his fifth year, it's old hat, and it's happening with regularity. And that is fantastic. So I enjoyed aggressive Emmett Matthews, Trey Mitchell tonight, two straight solid games for him tonight. And I guess it was a good matchup. He had 17 points, eight rebounds, three offensive rebounds. He played 34 minutes. So we went from right before the first game, like how long is Trey Mitchell going to be out to him playing in that first game and just playing a few minutes and then building up to where he's leading the team in minutes And he was just, his footwork and just where he was getting to his spots tonight, he looked at times unguardable. And of course he's guardable because we saw the Purdue game. But also, we might look back and that might be the flu game or stomach bug game or whatever you want to call that. And I don't know if Trey Mitchell was one of those guys, but let's just say it was because there was nothing wrong with Trey Mitchell tonight. And it's not like they all went in, but it he he was confident getting to his spots. I don't I don't really like the I'm taller than you and he did that in the most casual way possible. <laughs> Almost like he was pushing his his hair down instead of doing the aggressive you're too you're too short. Uh, but across the board, front court, A++. Loved it. Everything about it. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknowns. Yes, the Lakers are not going to go 0-82. Yes, the Bucks are not going to go 82-0. But will Javon Carter stay in the starting lineup? Will Deuce McBride make it in the rotation for the Knicks? When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. 
Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. The DraftKings Sportsbook app is easy to use. You can do your same-game parlay. Really easy, gives you the odds. Definitely check it out. So download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So the backcourt, it really takes the, the pressure off the backcourt. And they were they were solid tonight. I'll, they are not an A plus tonight, but they are good. And I am not going to get on this microphone and nitpick what was happening there. What I'll tell you, seven games in, Eric Stevenson, who who went to the Big Twelve Conference uh, media day before the season, and that kind of blew my mind. Is like this guy just got here and he's representing the team when he is on the basketball court for this team. Compared to when he's not on the court, it's not night and day, but you can definitely tell the difference in how they play on both sides of the ball because Stevenson is active. Now, his activity on the defensive end is something that's a work in progress. Don't like, you know, and, and you so you notice how much different it is because he's having to sit in the first half because he's getting two fouls. But when he's in there, the man is confident. Like it tonight, he he didn't shoot a lot, but every shot you thought that's going in, and he did. <laughs> he did in the first half. He did the the shot like three feet from the three point line on I guess transition, and it was definitely a oh no shot, and it was like the the net didn't move, <laughs> and so. You, we got to keep that guy out of foul trouble. But this Mountaineer team is at its best when Eric Stevenson is in the five on the floor. And his dunk, it's not a contest. It's not a contest who had the better dunk. Let's say it was a contest. I would argue that Eric Stevenson's two-handed dunk trumped Eric, uh, Emmett Matthews' fantastic tomahawk dunk. And you know why? It's because and the athleticism of the guys that Bob Huggins has brought in this year is just night and day compared to, to the last, uh, let's just say compared to last season. <laughs> and, and let me not get too ahead of myself. But his two-handed dunk, he jumped and it seemed like way too far out. It seemed like one of those, oh no, he's going to have to like change course here and do like a finger roll or some kind of layup because he's obviously jumped too far out. And in fact, <laughs> the play happens and he absolutely was not too far out. And he just kept rising. It's like he, uh, like, you know how planes like catch like air pockets, air. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a pilot, but like you just kind of glide and, and you take like the, the airstream and you just kind of glide up 
That's what Stevenson did on that dunk, and then he came down ferociously with two hands. So this Eric Eric Stevenson pickup, arm sleeve E Steve, seven games in, stay out of foul trouble, my guy. But what a great addition to the team. Uh, very, very obvious statement to make. You could not know anything about basketball, watch this game, and like, oh, that guy with the hard part in his hair, he's really good at basketball. And I like watching them play when he's on the court. Who else in the backcourt? You got Keaty Johnson started the game beating Eric Stevenson with the backdoor cut, then made an open three. So if Keaty Johnson's going to do his def- his normal Keaty Johnson stuff on the defensive end, and then all he has to do on offense is to make some solid passes, hold on to the ball, and when he's open, make threes, then that's that's perfect. That's that's great for Kitty Johnson. Joe Toussaint, he wasn't really making his shots, but he's just so active and always moving and great on both sides of the court. And he got his points from the free throw line tonight, the best free throw routine in the business. And so that, all of that being said, it was an amazing night. Uh, did I tweet things in all capital letters? A hundred percent. Is Florida a worthy opponent to, am I, should I save my capital letters similar to West Virginia saving their shots? <laughs> all the shots that they made in the pin game for the Purdue game? Maybe, maybe, but let it got, you know, YOLO. You know what the kids say, YOLO, right? Because I just don't have a lot of good feelings after a Florida game. It doesn't matter who. And, like, my mind's playing tricks on me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the Castleton guy and how he – we couldn't stop him. Like, ah, this is not the same Florida team, but that guy's still the same guy. And he's just two years older, so he's probably better, right? And to see – I mean, I don't take pleasure in seeing a guy struggle. I take that back. I took pleasure, not in life, but tonight on a basketball court, I took pleasure in that guy being uh, aggravated and frustrated because he never once felt frustrated in Morgantown two years ago. And so the coach looks like a child coach. He might be great at coaching basketball, the guy, the new guy for Florida. Mike White couldn't get it done, but could get it done against Bob Huggins, could not get it done Overall, <laughs> uh, but this guy looks, you know, you you look at Bob Huggins, Hall of Fame basketball coach Bob Huggins, and then you look at the other sideline, and it looks like uh, take your take your kid to coach day with love and respect. And I, there, it, yes, there's some jealousy because I'm, you know, I'm getting older. I, my hair doesn't grow. Uh, I get it. Uh, like I'm telling you up front that that is soaked in jealousy about youth and him uh, and the Florida coach looking uh, very young. Uh, but that I'm I'm sure he's a capable coach. It just was a, a a stark contrast on head coach for West Virginia, just visually. Head co- coach for West Virginia, head coach for Florida. Based on that, nobody's ever watched basketball. Which of these guys are going to coach the winning team? It's not fair, and it's not how the game is played. But based on looks, I'd give it to 
the the guy with the with the hair that's older that looks kind of gruff you know i just i loved everything about tonight I, and yes i tweeted that this is the best feeling after a win since west virginia went to to cleveland a couple years back and, and beat Ohio State. I said that, and I'm going to stand by that. I would love for another game, and I'm not going to get into specifics in the non-conference schedule. I'd love to see another game that would trump this. And I'm getting greedy there, and I'm not trying to predict the future. But the prospects of this team, and let's talk about that really quick, is that this idea, Bob Huggins, when he has a bad team, what does he say? I'll fix it. It's on me. I'll fix it. And we're only seven games in. And West Virginia's got 18 games in the toughest conference in America. And you're looking around the conference. You got Texas that dominated Gonzaga. You got Iowa State beating North Carolina. Iowa State picked down close to the bottom where we're at, where we were predicting. And they go out and beat the number one AP team. Uh, Baylor is really good at basketball. Uh, Oklahoma has beat a Big East team. They beat a Big Ten team. And they beat an SEC team already in their non-conference schedule. I mean, you just look around TCU after a weird loss. They have put some good quality games together. And so in comparison, like it's hard to project how West Virginia's record's going to look at the end of the season because gauntlet and, and hug it. What I'm saying is Bob Huggins can say he's fixed it. If this team goes 500 in the big 12 and he can say that because last year, West Virginia didn't sniff 500 in the conference and did not go to the to the postseason. So that's a fix, especially given Huggins. This is new territory for Huggins. He has not had this kind of turnaround at WVU from one season to the next. He hasn't. And he's never had this. We're in we're 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 in new ground. And so before the season, I don't think you could predict this kind of game happening early on because of all the new parts and how is everybody going to gel what we what we see seven games in is this team is way better at offense than what we could have anticipated like way better because it's not just Mitchell Stevenson is proving offense to uh, Toussaint is offense Waggy is contributing to offense Waggy wasn't it wasn't on our radar that he would contribute on the offensive on the offensive boards and playing these kind of minutes. Jimmy Bell's playing 15 minutes a game. And it's it's not like he's an offensive game changer, but he you didn't we didn't know what to expect from him other than he's a he's a big dude. And knowing at the beginning of the season, this dude's dropped 80 pounds. So you know he's got he's he's got hard work in him. But how that translates to the basketball court, we didn't see it in the first couple of games. Now we're seeing it, and that's the promise of this team. Take out how crazy hard the Big 12 schedule is. West Virginia's living in the 80s and 90s as far as points scored, not relying on offensive rebounds. They did great tonight. 
but they've got multiple options to get buckets. And it's not like a beeline offense where they're passing a bunch. There was only 11 assists tonight, but only 11 assists and they're unselfish. Both are true. I mean, it's, it's, it's really something. Cause when you, when you look at the stats, we've got three or four guys averaging double digits, two or three guys averaging close to double digits. Like it, the, the wealth is spread. Maybe that changes as we get into the schedule, but West Virginia's the promise of seven games in, uh, it looks, looks great because the conference is tough. This team is doing what it's doing, not a signature team that they've played yet, but they're doing what they're doing and they've only played seven games together. This is a brand new team. So when you look at Florida, Hey, they got a bunch of new guys. They got beat by 29. West Virginia's on the other side of that, and they're playing with a bunch of new guys. And this is new for WVU, this idea of, of revamping the whole roster in one season. Arkansas does it every year with Musselman. Other teams do it with success. Bob Huggins is late to the game, but he's in the game now. I can say that regardless of what happens the rest of the season, Bob Huggins is in the game. And so I can take what's happened seven games into the season and say, if there's mass turnover next year, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. This episode of Unreasonable Doubt is sponsored by Freeman Sports Cards and Collectibles. What are you doing December 2nd through the 4th? Whatever you thought, don't say it out loud because I can't hear you. But definitely consider showing up at the Morgantown Mall sometime between December 2nd through the 4th. Or go every day, the 2nd, the 3rd, and the 4th to Morgantown Mall. Why? Because Freeman Sports Cards and Collectibles are going to be there. And they're going to have sports cards to buy. And they're going to have wrestling figures to buy, action figures to buy, comic books to buy. You can bring your comic books and your sports cards. Maybe you bring it to them and they're like, hey, I'll buy that from you and then I'll sell it to somebody else. Go to the Morgantown Mall. Check out the Freeman's Sports Cards and Collectibles card show, sports card show at the Morgantown Mall. If you want to call them, you got stuff, you want to sell them, give them a call. 304-416-3631. Freeman Sports Cards and Collectibles. The next game for WVU is an opportunity to have a signature win because it is a true road game. It's the Big East Big 12 battle. Saturday, December 3rd. So WVU gets a week off. Almost a week off. 6.30 p.m. FS1. West Virginia's foe will be Xavier. So Xavier was in this Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. They've lost three games already, but all three games were to quality opponents. They've lost to Indiana. They've lost to Gonzaga. And they've... uh, Who else have they lost to? Oh, yeah, they lost to Duke. So Duke, Gonzaga, and... In Indiana. So that's so all those are no loss is a good loss, but on computer systems and stuff like that, seen as good losses. 
Sean Miller is back at Xavier as the head coach. And when you look at the, at the stats, they have a, you know, they're top of the heap at, at a category and it's not, <laughs> it's not a sad category like Portland state has. Xavier is shooting the three ball at a ridiculous rate. They are, they have started the season uh, before the Gonzaga game, 45% from three. And I believe tonight they shot over 50% from for three against Gonzaga. But four guys are shooting 50% or better from three. They have a seven-footer, not a giant, but a seven-footer that's shooting 44% from three. The last time WVU played Xavier, it was a it was Bob Huggins' first season at WVU, NCAA Tournament Sweet 16. We all remember Joe Alexander was, was in his bag. Uh, this game... <laughs> Back in 2000, what was it? 2007, 2008, uh, Joe Alexander made a shot, got fouled to tie the game. 14 seconds left, goes to the line, missed the free throw, goes into overtime, Xavier wins. Sean Miller was the coach. There's zero revenge factor here other than me in my head. So can we get revenge 14 years later? at Xavier, or, and we got to be prepared for this, after such a great effort tonight and how well it went tonight, uh, college kids, it's hard to duplicate two times in a row. So a week off on the road, um, possible reality check here. But the good news is they won two out of three in Portland. Uh but another good test against a team that is really good at threes and really good at offense. So let's see what happens. I'm, I'm excited tonight and I am standing up still and I might go to bed trying to, I might go to bed trying to stand up. That's it for this episode of unreasonable doubt. Listen on all the platforms or just pick one. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, YouTube. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Down. WVU for the 2022-2023 season. They have six wins and they have one loss. <laughs>